to you. If that is your very first Bible of all time, um, keep it. Uh, If not, uh, return it for next week. But in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, this is what Peter says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same kind of thinking. For what whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we thank you that we can gather um, very unlike the people of this letter in a very unpersecuted way. But I pray, Jesus, as we hear your word today through Johnny, that actually you will create in us uh, a new passion for the good news that you bring to us that you would renew our passion for uh, gratefulness as we watch people get baptized? Would you renew our passion for your glory, which is what this is all about? Would you renew our passion for our city, that we would become bold and courageous and not, as the text says, live the old way, but instead live in the direction of our Savior, Jesus? Would you open our hearts? Our hearts are really hard and sometimes very cold. Would you soften our hearts this morning? Would you give Johnny all the words that he needs to faithfully proclaim your word and the good news about you through that word? Jesus, we ask all these things in your awesome name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to be here. Um, like Trev said, we now attend Urban Grace. We moved to Calgary uh, last year uh, to take a position with C2C Network, which is a church planning network. So I, my job is I get to hang out with church planners all week long and encourage them and coach them and, and tell them to talk about Jesus. And so it's, I love my job, love working with uh, Pastor Trev, and love um, being here at Urban Grace. Uh, I, I, I just so love Trev and Leslie. Um, Urban Grace is blessed with, with a great pastoral couple 
um, who, and your pastor who proclaims Jesus every week. Uh, that is a gift. And uh, I would just encourage us this Christmas season that we make sure that we encourage them. Because as a pastor, as a church planter, uh, they are first and foremost the ones to be tested. And, um, and so they've had lots of testing to get Urban Grace to this point. And uh, it's only by God's grace and God's mercy and His goodness that Urban Grace is at this point and is continuing to grow and expand and reach more people. So, so that is good. Let me give you a little bit of, of my um, background. I grew up in the church. Uh, my whole life, I grew up with, if you drank beer or smoked, you were a non-Christian, and we, we would kind of stay away from those people. Um, also felt that, that you kind of, ha- you, the gospel was about what happened when you just prayed that prayer. When you just, okay, I, I want to be a Christian because hell seems really bad and heaven seems better. And so you live, you do that, and then you live the rest of your life trying to, to make sure that you're good enough that God still keeps loving you. And, uh, and that's not the gospel. And there's times even as I live the Christian faith that I question myself, does the gospel really work? Is it true? And I'd been to college, spent some time in seminary, had been a youth pastor for years, and I'm questioning that. Questioning that when testing came. And all of us are going to be tested. Whether you're simply trekking out the Christian faith, and you don't even say, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus yet. Or maybe you've been to church your whole life. Maybe you thought you were born in church, and you don't even have a testimony. But the reality is, is Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The answer that that if you've grown up in church, they've told you that's the Sunday school answer. You know, if a kid kid wants to earn the candy or earn the star on the board, you just answer Jesus to whatever the Sunday school teacher says and you get a star because you can never be wrong. You guys, that's true. When we forget the fact that we have to continue to, to earn something from God and begin to understand His amazing grace for us. Amazing that we, that we don't have to try and, and prove ourselves. That we don't have to try and, 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 and think that we need an idol. We need something in our life to make us fulfilled or feel good. The reality is, is in Jesus we find the answer. Where's the, where's the amen guy? Amen. Thank you. I was thinking, of, like, I, I keep hearing him with Trev. You can do it with me, too, if I'm saying things good. Because I don't want to make sure I'm saying something wrong here. It's like, whoa. The amen guy's not even going today. Sorry, what's your name? David. David. Thanks, David. Sorry to put you on the spot. Um, but the gospel's real. Whether, whether you've been in church your whole life or whether you are just checking Jesus out. Jesus is the answer. Because there's times when I was tested that I wanted to ditch my faith. Because it felt like there's, it's just not fair. I've done all the right things, so therefore, God, you owe me. And I don't believe I'm the only person that's ever done that. The only Christian that's ever said, God, I've been doing all these good things. I've been good. I've gone to church. I, I don't do these things. And so therefore, I deserve something. And I was actually frustrated and angry with God because he didn't give me what I was wanting because I thought I expected that. The reality is he didn't give it to me because he was so loving. 
Because he didn't want me to get filled with idols that would never satisfy or fulfill. But he wanted me to be filled with him and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the reality of the gospel and the gospel of Jesus to know that I'm supremely loved as a child of God. That is the gospel. Um, Peter starts this in this text. When Trev gave it to me, I was, we were sitting around a meeting and, and Trev was wanting some time to spend working on his new sermon series. So we said, I'll take that Sunday. And I didn't know what text it was, but as I've been sitting in this text for a week, it's just, it's so rich and so good. He starts off uh, and he reminds us how to arm ourselves for battle when we are tested. He calls us to arm ourselves. It's, it's a, it's a, Military word. Arm yourself. Um, now, I'm not sure if you've ever played paintball. Anybody ever play paintball? Okay. Good word there. He plays paintball. Okay. Anyways, when you go to play paintball, especially for the first time, you are scared, but it kind of excited. So what you do is you, you dress up and you put lots of baggy clothes on. So you, like you go into this warehouse, at least that's how we do it in, in when I, where I came from is it's this big warehouse and you, it's hot in there, but you fill all these sweaters because you don't want to get hurt. And then you put on these big jumpsuits and, and then you put on goggles to make sure you don't get one in the eye. And then you get your canister and they go through all these rules to make sure that your masks are down. And when the horn goes off, you can't shoot anymore. You've got to take your canister out to make sure that no one gets hurt. But what you do is before you, you go and do that, you, you, you arm yourself. And, and you're putting padding where padding needs to go. And you're making sure that you don't want to get hurt. But the reality is when you get in there, game on. And you expect to get hit. So that's why you arm yourself. Uh, guys, especially, you, arm, you make sure you're covered in certain places because you, you don't want to get hit there. But the reality is we all arm ourselves, put the goggles down. Now, if I came up here with a paintball and started shooting you, 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 you probably would get upset. Number one, you don't have a gun to shoot me back. But also, you're going to get it in the eye. It's going to hurt because you're not armed. You're not ready. You're sitting in the theater listening to me. What Peter is saying is the Christian life is a little bit like that paintball game. Way more intense. But you've got to get ready. And you know you're going to get a paintball in the back. You know you're going to get one in the face. You know you're going to get one all over. So get ready. Get prepared for it. So when it happens, don't get all upset and mad at God because He's told you it's coming. If you've been part of a Christian for any time, you know what it's like to be tested. If you are checking out Christianity, you're going to get tested because Satan doesn't want you touching this. He doesn't want you finding your fulfillment and your joy in anything else than, than things that he's, he's helping you find joy in. He wants you to be unarmed. And what Peter is saying to us, what he was saying to the people he was writing it to, was I want you to arm yourselves. I want you to be ready for this. And don't be surprised when it happens. I believe he's saying, guys, get ready because this is the new normal. It's normal that you will be tested. There's a new normal. When you say yes to Jesus, you will be tested and want to throw things away. You're going to want to walk away. And that's what Peter tells us today. He gives us five reminders, five reminders to ourselves to tell us about the new normal in a Christian life. And so first and foremost, if you are checking out the Christian faith, I will tell you, it will not be easy. What they tell you on TV about health and wealth is not a gospel at all. 
It's a way to stay in your idols and keep you away from Jesus. That's not a gospel. Giving what you want is not a gospel. Jesus loves us so much, he gives us what we need. And that's him and him alone. So let's start. Verse 1. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. First thing he does, he reminds us. It's all about Jesus. It's about the gospel. So then, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, he first brings it right back to Jesus. Never in, in the New Testament do we find that we're supposed to do something that's not rooted in what Jesus has already done for us. Not rooted in the example that Christ has given for us. So the new normal is that Christ suffered and we can expect to do the same. So that Christ suffered in the flesh. Jesus was fully God and yet he was fully man. He came as a humble little baby born into this world. Even though when we read Colossians and, and John that we know that he was, he was there at the beginning. He's the one that created everything. But he humbled himself and came to this earth. And we sing about it at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Scripture takes us to the gospel before it takes us to do anything else. See, Jesus, had a, he wasn't just a spirit. He wasn't just a guy that came down and had nothing. He humbled himself and was tempted just like us. Hebrews 2.18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So first and foremost, not only did Jesus come to this earth, live a perfect life, live the life that we, des- that we needed to live, died the death that we deserved, but Jesus came to this life and was tempted and suffered in the way that you and I are. So when you say, nobody understands, we can't say that. Maybe no human can understand your suffering or your pain right now, but the reality is Jesus can. And even more. And what do you think of that? Like, like we have a God, not that's way out there in the universe, something that we have to do a whole bunch of stuff to make happy, but a God that came here and suffered and was tempted so he could identify with us. That is crazy. That is good news. He says, arm yourselves with this way of thinking. It's a thought war. How we prepare for battle and how we live the Christian life, it's what we do in our thought life. Because we're tempted in our thoughts. He goes on to say, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does he mean here? Again, like last week, Peter says some tough things that it's hard to understand. When you read different commentators, and commentators are guys that, that are smarter than, than I am that write about the Bible, they've, said, they, they've given us three options. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you the three options and kind of tell you which one I think uh, seems to be most uh, appropriate. Um, he says this, some uh, believe that this could have attributed or was attributed to the suffering of Christ. Uh, but the reality is was that Christ was not a sinner, but he took sin upon himself. Um, so but when it says whoever in the text, we kind of think that's a little too broad. Some say this refers to a believer being dead to sin, um, that, that once you become a believer, you don't sin anymore. Well, Romans 7 kind of talks about that, where, where Peter says, or Paul says, that, I keep doing, the apostle says, I keep doing the things I don't want to do, but the things I do want to do, I don't do. So, so Paul still, the apostle Paul had a struggle with this. 
So the most likely door number three, it seems what means to be is that, that when we are at the point in our Christian lives, when we choose suffering over comfort, when we choose to suffer over sin, then the reality is, is it seems like the cords, that, that umbilical cord of sin to this earth has been cut. And yet we still struggle. But the reality is, is once we're willing to do that, and that's a sign that, that I'm willing to suffer, it's a sign that you, you've, you've ceased from that life of sin. Um, verse 2. He goes on, he says, So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Again, going back to what Peter just said, this, this seems to make sense, is that sin no longer has the hold on us like it did before, before we, we came to know who Jesus was. Um, we're, we're, we've, won the, we've won the battle. Second reminder that Peter gives us, he remembers, first and foremost, he reminds us of the gospel, what Jesus has done. The second, he reminds us of our purpose. And I'll go to verse 11 for this. He says at the end of verse 11, look with me, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter reminds us that we have a purpose. And friends, having a purpose in life is awesome. And if you're here and you are a Christ follower and you say, man, I've kind of lost my purpose, I hope that some of the scriptures I want to read will bring that back. And if you're a person here that's, I don't even know if God exists, I'm just checking this thing out. I'd ask you, what's your purpose? If there is no God, if, there, if, you weren't, if there didn't, a God didn't create you in, a, in, a, in an amazing way, then, then what is your purpose in life? But here, we have a purpose. Isaiah 43, 7 says this. He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We are created for a purpose. And so if, if you're <coughs> young and you're, you're saying, I've got to figure out what my purpose in life, I'm going to save you the trip to Europe, okay? Put three grand in the offering today. Your purpose is to glorify God, okay? It's to glorify God. How you do that may be something that you can, you can maybe ask Pastor Trev and he'll help you. Um, but the reality is, is your, your job in life, your purpose in life, is to glorify God. And you know what the, the cool thing is? And we always say, you know, it, it's about you. And, and I, I hope when we say that, that Jesus, we want to make it all about, you know what that means? Is that we, we, we want to make Jesus look good in, in everything, and even in our suffering. And the reality is, was when we're giving glory to God, we get joy. You see, we were created in a relationship. It, it, it talks about, you know, when you read through Scripture, when you read through the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we get two, two chapters. Creation and how it was in the beginning. And it says that, that, that God walked with them in the cool of the day. That we had this, this amazing relationship that was, was so cool, that was just uh, us and God. And then Satan came in, chapter 3. He talks about this all the time. And we chose a created thing over the Creator. Eve chose that fruit on the tree. It was so good. It looked good. She chose that over the Creator. 
you read Romans chapter 1, a, a book that just kind of talks about this, it, it talks about that we've chosen created things over the Creator, that we've decided to worship created things over worshiping God. And it just messes us all up. And the reality is that's true. And so the thing is, our, all of our relationship has been fractured because of the sin in our life. And we're trying to find it in so many things all over the place. And maybe if you're new to faith, you man, I, I remember I used to find my satisfaction here, my joy over here. But it really didn't fulfill. It really didn't give me what I wanted. It's because we, we're, we're missing something. We're, we're missing the fact that we're supposed to have that relationship with God. Ecclesiastes Asti talks about that, that we have eternity set in our hearts. It's like this vacuum, and the only thing that can fill that is a restored, renewed relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. We need that. And so we'll find things in all over the place. We'll try and find our purpose and our meaning all over the place. But the reality is, is we only find it in God. And one of my heroes uh, says this, that God is most glorified in us when we are most... God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Satisfaction and joy comes when we're satisfied in God alone. And then we're able to pursue everything else in life as a secondary issue, not looking for anything because we're filled with Jesus. We're filled with the purpose that we've been created for, and that's to bring God glory. So who are you living for? Are you living for yourself and for passions of this world? Are you living for God? And living for God doesn't mean you just spend all the time in church and if you did, you'd spend a lot of time in this movie theater, right? Like, you'd watch a lot of movies. But the reality is, is living for God is about enjoying things and seeing God as the creator. So you can enjoy a good bottle of wine and give God grace, give glory to God. But you can enjoy some great food and feast and say, God, thank you. This just sees your creativity and how you've created me, that you've created me with taste buds. It's when we can look at the mountains. When you, when you look out at our rocky mountains, you go, oh, that's so beautiful. And you give that glory back to God. God, you are so amazing. How could you even think of that? You go to Canmore and you see the three sisters. You go, how, how do you even think of that? That is amazing. And yet we get to enjoy this, not in an end in itself, but that we get to enjoy it in the end in God. That Oh, those mountains? That's amazing. God, you must be so more amazing this created thing. When you, when you drink uh, a good bottle of wine or you, or you drink, uh, have a great steak, you go, wow, that tastes amazing. When you see a beautiful sunset, like God could have made everything black and white, but he's given us color. So you see the sunset, oh God, that's so awesome. And so life becomes richer and deeper because we know who to thank for it. It doesn't end in ourselves. And that's why I think celebrities who have everything, they've got fame, they've got fortune, they've got everything, and yet they're not happy. They're strung out on other things because that doesn't satisfy. Because we aren't meant to be worshipped. We're meant to worship the one person, the Creator, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, we've changed our allegiances. If you call yourself a believer, that you said, hey, I, I, I want that restored relationship, I need Jesus Christ, then we've changed our allegiances. You're no longer on the team that fights against God. You're now on the team with Jesus. And your relationship with God is created, is now restored. Third reminder that Peter gives us. Peter reminds us that we will be tempted to run back to our idols when we are being tested. And this is what I want to talk about. That's the new normal. 
If you are a believer, the new normal is you will continually be tested and brought back. And you're, you're going to have the decision to say, am I going to follow Jesus and follow his ways? Or am I going to follow my old ways? Am I going to follow what, what people in the world are doing and, and just living for themselves? We have a choice. And I believe that we are tempted when we're tested. And the temptation is to believe some lies. And I've come up with some that, that God has, has said to me. Or not God has said to me, that, that the Satan has said to me and that I've had to repel. When you're going through tough times, it's like, I don't deserve this. Really, God? Like, I've been doing all the right things. Or you say, I deserve this. Life's been a little tough lately, so I deserve to enjoy this sin. And let's, first and foremost, off the top, let's, sin is fun. Okay, like sin, the reason why it's, it's enticing is because it's attractive. It destroys and kills. In the end, it's not fun, but it's enticing on the front end. It looks, it looks fun. It looks appealing. But that's all part of the candy that gets us in. It's like if, if you've seen The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's that Turkish delight that destroys us. The other thing is when you're being tested and you, and you believe that you're living a, a godly Christian life, you say, Satan comes along and says, God, does he love you? Because if he loved you, he wouldn't be letting you do that. Seriously, he loves you? That's, that's a good father. My dad would never do that to me. He's left you. He's, he's gone. You shouldn't be suffering. You're such a good person. You do so many good things. Or you can go and sin. Why? Because it's all about grace. And you go to a church. It's called Urban Grace. So I'm forgiven. I might as well sin, right? Um, it's okay. I'm a good Christian. It's one little thing, one little slip. No big deal. But I believe that we're tempted. Whatever that is for you, whatever you run to when you're tempted, it's an idol. And an idol isn't, isn't, a, isn't <clears throat> things that we have to set up. Like It's not like we have to have a Buddha statue in our living room or we have to have other idols from, that we see all over the world. No, idols are things that we replace Jesus with. Idols are the things that we run to when we're hurting. Idols are the things we run to when we want comfort. When we're tested, we run to these. And I don't know what your idols look like. They can all be different. Peter's going to run through a list of some here. But the reality is, is, is an idol is something that if you lost it, it would be hell for you. And if you gained it, that would be your heaven. I've heard pastors talk about those two things. I don't know if it was Keller or Driscoll, or, but the reality is, is if your idol is, if, if, you, if you lost something and that would be hell for you, or if you got something and that would be heaven for you, those are your idols. Those are the things that are going to draw your heart. It's, and idols don't have to necessarily be bad things. Like We're going to get a list here that's going to seem really, really bad and go, I don't do those things. But the reality is, is idols, most of the time, are things that are good things that we make ultimate things. Things like family, kids, which are great things, but we can make those ultimate things that we are only okay if our family is okay. We are only okay if our kids are okay. You can make church an idol, your ministry an idol. 
Anything we can make an idol that's good, but it's taking a good thing and making it a great thing or the most thing. So Peter runs through a list. Let's run through the list here. He talks about living in sensuality. And again, he's, he's bringing these up because it's, it's, it's a temptation of people go, you know what, arm yourselves, arm your thinking, because when you're tested, you're going to want to run back to these things. So I want you to remember these things. Sensuality. What is that? Well, what feels good? What brings you pleasure? See, when we feel bad, we want an instant gratification. We want pleasure. We, we, we want to feel a little better. So we go to some sensuality. What, what touches our senses? Is it food? See, food can be great. We can enjoy a great feast. We're going to feast in heaven. But food could become an idol. It could become a comfort. We even have a whole category of comfort foods, right? Um, shopping. Maybe you, if I go buy something, maybe Black Friday was an idol day for you. Oh, I, can, I, go, I need to get this. And I get this and I'll feel better. And it's such a good deal, so I, I, I have to get it. Um, maybe it's relationships. Maybe you just want to feel that, that buzz of the, those butterflies in your stomach so you... You are promiscuous. You go find a bunch of other people. Or maybe you, you, you're flirting with someone at work that's not your spouse. or Something like that. Because, oh, this just feels good. And I, I, deserve, I deserve to feel good because my spouse isn't, is, is making me feel good as he used to or she used to. Maybe it's going on vacations, man. I'm just going to get away to Cabo. And it's just going to be so great. I'm going to get away to, to Punta Cana. And I'm just going to lay on the beach and have drinks. And it's just going to be awesome. Um, Vacations are great. I love vacations. But is that your escape? Is that where you want to run when you're tested? I just, I just need to get away. Passions. Peter talks about, what do you want? What makes you happy? The reality is if, if we can get away from the belief that we're on this earth to glorify God, man, what do you want? What do you want to do? You know, you're your own boss, so just what do you want to do? And, and some of these self-esteem gurus will tell you like what do you want who are you and you just you pump yourself up and you can do whatever you want we even attach bible verses from from philippians chapter four to say we can do anything that we want maybe it's your job maybe you're passionate i just love my job and that's where i get all my joy and feelings of success from feelings of accomplishment maybe it's stuff maybe you think man and when i finally get that, that car when i get a house or when i when i get this or that that you think that's when i'm going to be happy Fulfilling all those passions, all those things, those things out there. Next on the list is drunkenness. Maybe when you get sad, when you're tested, you want to run to alcohol. You want to run to drugs, whether it's prescription drugs or illegal drugs, whatever that would be. It's all the same. It's you run to that. And if you've ever been to an AA meeting, they, will, they, they, they say that, that, that their first thing is they, they say higher power, but when it started, it was God. And we realize that a relationship with God was broken and we need to, to go to God. So the reality is, is we fill that with other things, with substances. You know, I even hate alcohol. Like, I don't like the taste of it. Um, but there's times where things are going so bad, you know, I think I want to drink today. And I don't even like, like, it's just like, because I think it's going to make me, like, that weird stuff that comes in your mind that's going to make you think you're going to feel better. Um, orgies. Um, I think this whole list is, is sex. Um, pornography, guys. And now women are just as, as stats are coming out that women are just as, as addicted to pornography as men are now. Or, or getting close, which, which, is, which was news for me. But the reality is we go to something to escape. And as 
In pornography, you can have men, you can have any woman you wanted with no work. So I think that's kind of the, what, what, what he's talking about here is you can have anybody you want no, with no commitment. Maybe the reality is that you want to hook up with somebody else. You want to, you're sick of your partner and, and ah, you, just, you deserve better. And you'll go sit with other people that have gotten divorced who don't believe Jesus and they'll, yeah, you should just you go find that right guy or be yourself or, you know, you, you have to do it because you deserve it. Those are all lies. And that last is drinking parties. You just want to go, you just want to go party. You want to go hang out with a bunch of people whose life is out of control, going nowhere, and you're going to drink with them and like do whatever. It's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? You're tested. I've seen people do this. They just go and hang out with a bunch of other wild people drinking, and their lives are out of control. It's like, okay, this, this doesn't make any sense. But and yet, it's something that, that's, we're tempted by. The last is lawless idolatry. Um, you don't care about the rules, man. I don't care. I don't care if I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want because I deserve to be happy and so I'll break the rules. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm the most important person. Um, or maybe you just do this online or maybe you just do this in a video game. Maybe this is like you, you just play Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or whatever your game is and you just do there. You know, you just kill people all day and that's what you want to do. Um, they didn't have video games back then, but I'm sure they did some pretty crazy stuff. And all that crazy stuff you, you can do today. Just go play, you know, maybe you want to play Grand Theft Auto. And you can do all of those things without leaving your basement. Um, and I'm just, I think what, what Peter is saying here is, is we want to go to those things. We want to go to those things. And, and maybe I didn't list anything that, that you are tempted with. And you go, oh man, <laughs> I must be pretty good. Um, the reality is, I believe we all go to those. Whether the, I think this isn't an exhaustive list. This is a list of some things that was happening in that, in that day. In the Greco-Roman Empire, these were just normal things that Gentiles did. No one would, would, would even bat an eye if you did that. But, but the Jews and the Christians, go. They, they knew those things were wrong. And Peter's calling the people back and says, don't go there. The new normal is you're going to be tested. Get over it. Remember. That stuff's not going to satisfy. And so whatever that would be for you, I, I would encourage you to, to say, what is my idol? Where is it that I run to? What is it that you do that gives you comfort or joy or some kind of respite when you're going through testing? I would say take that, give that to Jesus. Because wherever you're going, if you're not going to Jesus, is a lie. A lie, a lie, a lie. John, Jesus in John 10.10 10 says this, The thief, that's the devil, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Your purpose to glorify God, the devil's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy everything good that God has created and everything good in your life. So anything that's not connected with Jesus in your life that you're seeing him through, it's a lie. And it's gonna, if you're making that your God, it will destroy and it will disappoint. The only one, the only person that will not is Jesus Christ. John 8, 44, Jesus says, You are the father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He is a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Don't believe the lies that anything is going to bring you satisfaction other than Jesus. 
throughout my life, uh, one of my comforts has been food. Um, I've always been the, I've been the husky kid. And, uh, and, and, and so this year I was challenged to, um, to lose some weight. And, and I've been losing some weight this, this year. And I've tried to lose weight in the past. But this is the first time I nailed my weight to sin. And I made it a gospel issue instead of a, an issue to, to look better in the mirror. Um, and someone confronted me on it and said, you need, to, you need to lose weight. And this Christian brother did it in love. Um, um, about a year ago, my wife, uh, I got out of the pool, and uh, she said I looked like a before picture. And, um, and then last night, she said that in complete love, because my wife loves me dearly. Um, is we were at a sale at Black Friday, and um, for the first time in my life, I bought a pair of slim jeans. I've never bought; so they're always husky, uh, husky fit. And uh, so my wife goes, "Is that the first pair of slim jeans you ever bought?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, it actually is." Um, but the reality is, is I was using food for comfort, and I was a pastor, and I don't know how many times I've confronted other people on other issues that they have, whether it would be other addictions. But when I confronted myself, when the Spirit convicted me and said, you know what, I'm using that. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling discouraged. Well, I'm just going to go eat something. It's going to make me feel a little better. And it does. But you know what? That's just as sinful as as going out and smoking up or getting drunk. Like, it's a comfort. It's a replacement for Jesus. It's a replacement for Jesus. And so the reality is... um, Let's look at our idols as gospel issues. And not that you've got to try harder, you've got to do more. And please don't hear me say this, that you've got to try harder and do more. You've got to run to Jesus and understand who you are in Him and what He's done for you. And you don't have to do anything but trust in Him. And when you are being tested, run to Jesus for your security, for your comfort, and not to other things. He ends off in verse, begins in verse 3 before he says this. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. I think Peter's saying here, he's saying, stop it. Stop it. It's enough. Maybe you've been running to some of those idols. And Peter says, stop it. Let today be the day that he said, no more. December 1st. 2013. Stop it. Stop it. I can't. Stop it. He's going he's to get down a community of where we want to do. But all of these sins that we do, it's running away from God. It's running away from the community. Because what Satan wants to do is he wants to get us away from each other. He wants to get us away from the encouragement of the body. He wants us to get away from the encouragement and the truth of God's word. He wants to get away from the love that's in the body of Christ. So go out there and have fun. He says, no. Stop it. So today, could today be the day that whatever you're dealing with, they say enough's enough. Today I want to stop it. I want to stop looking at pornography. I want to stop purging myself. I want to stop drinking. I want to stop 
things that I know are wrong. I want to stop going to those other things for comfort. And I want to come to Jesus with the cross. What a better day to do it than today that we're having baptism. Um, if, you, if you don't even know Jesus, you could say, man, my life's a mess. I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. Confess Jesus. Get in the tank. And then celebrate your anniversary right afterwards. Um, it's good. Um, today could be White Sunday. Black Friday, how about White Sunday? Sunday that I just confessed Jesus, got in the tank, and now I'm going to say I'm going to live for him. And if, you, if you're a Christian and you're fooling around with, with that stuff, stop it. It's going to kill you. It's a lie from Satan that he wants to bring you down. Don't believe it. Let today be the day. As Peter says, the time has passed and suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. It's done. Enough's enough. It goes on. Verse 4, with respect to this way, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Um, people are going to insult you. You're going to say, you know what? I, I, and I'm following. I don't want to go do that stuff. Not that you're better than anybody, but you know what? That doesn't bring me joy anymore. You are probably not going to say, man, I so respect you for the way you, the way you do that. I respect your, your views and your beliefs. You may get that. A little bit. But the reality is, as we as Christians, we don't really get that respected for what we believe in. We get maligned. Deal with it. That's the new normal. We're going to get maligned for what we believe because it's contrary to culture. Because Satan's out there trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus is trying to put us back together. They're different. Um, we're going to be maligned. And that's why we need to come back to community. Say, man, I'm getting beat up. Man, people are saying these things, but no. And, and you're going to be tempted to want to go back because you don't want to get maligned. You want to be liked by those. So maybe you've got a fear of man issue. Maybe you just want, you want to be popular. Again, it just exposes all kinds of idols. But we need to know that in our minds that this is true. We need to understand that and be reminded that this is a mind game. We need to understand Verse 5, but, this, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though, though judged in the flesh, the, people, the way the people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Peter reminds them, fourth thing, he reminds them eternity is at stake. It may not seem that anything is going on on the surface right now because we live in this physical world, but the reality is, Peter says, eternity is at stake here. Eternity is at stake. We will stand before Jesus one day. And we will bow and we will confess him as Lord. Everyone. You can either do that on his team or not on his team. And I'm going to do it on his team. Thank you very much. But the reality is eternity is at stake. We can't just fool around and think it's no big deal and live for the world. And just think that, that our salvation is some kind of insurance policy at the end. If you believe that your salvation is insurance policy and you chose Jesus because hell doesn't seem as fun as heaven... And heaven was just a little better option than hell, then I, I would really question whether or not you even know Jesus. Eternity's at stake here, people. And eternity's at stake. And, and why we are called each week to go be missionaries is because eternity's at stake. There's people that don't know this good news. And they need to hear it. And they're not hearing it from, from the world. They need to hear it from the messengers, the followers of Christ. We're running out of time here. Sorry, Trev. Um, 
He goes on, verse 7, uh, there's some stuff there, some difficult things. I'm not skipping it because I want to skip it. I'm skipping it because we just don't have time. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Last thing Peter reminds us is to run to community as arming yourselves. You see, when you're going through a bad time, when you're tested, when even you begin to sin, you want to distance yourself from community, from Christian community. And the, the reality is, is Peter says, no, we need to allow people to come to community. We need to make sure that community is important. And that's why I love how, how here we do the big and we do the small. And the small may be the biggest part of what happens here is because it's where real relationships happen, where we can be open and honest. And I want to say that we need to be part of a gospel Christian community, not just a Christian community, because so often that word has been maligned and we haven't really truly understand the gospel. And, and Christian community means that we come and we, we show that we're all perfect. I remember going to church as a kid and we'd put on weird, weird fruit suits that we'd buy at Sears and we'd go and we'd be this perfect little family and we would never tell anything that happened bad at home. And that's just not Christian community. That's, that's, wearing a, that's a bunch of people wearing masks. Christian gospel community is saying, man, I'm a mess. Struggling with sin. And I want to go do that this weekend, but I need help. Would you please help me? Would you come and pray for me? Christian community says, you know, dude, you're going down a bad path. I love you and I want to help you. Don't do that. That's what, that's what Christian community does. It doesn't judge. Does, does Christian community say, yeah, we can do whatever we want? No. When someone's going to hurt themselves in sin, we say, no, dude. That's not good for you. What's good for you is Jesus and the gospel. Don't go to those lies because it's, it's just the enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy. So don't do that. That's what Christian community is. Gospel community. Where I'm no better than anyone else. Everyone's like, oh, you work for the denomination. You, you know, you, you pastor pastors. You must be so much better. No. No, I struggle with sin. And I go to Jesus every day. The same as you do. We're at different, different places on the journey. We're there to help each other. And that's why he's so important. Of says this, above all, keep loving one another. There's love in the church. He says, keep doing it. We have to love one another. And not I'll love you if you're okay. No, I'm going to love you because Jesus first loved me. It says, since love covers a multitude of sins. Well, well who's that example? Who covered a multitude of my sins? Jesus on that cross. So how am I going to judge and think I'm better than anybody else? How am I going to think I'm better than, than anybody out there, than someone that's involved in a different religion? I'm going to think I'm better because Jesus opened my eyes? Man, our, the gospel is that we deserve nothing, and yet God, by His grace, opened our eyes and said, Ah, oh, look at me, and we, we freely choose Him. That's what the gospel is. It's to show hospitality to one another. This is why city groups are so important. Those people that open your homes. You know, the people that, that you open your homes to, you probably don't like everybody that comes to your house. I've done it for years. I hit a chord there. Um, and the, probably the only reason why you hang out together is because of Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. It's Christian community. It's the only thing that brings people together in this world around a single thing from so many different walks of life and interests and people groups. It's the gospel. I'm looking forward when we're in heaven and there's people from every nation there worshiping together. That's going to be so cool. Um, so show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, we've had people that are being tested and they sit on our couch and they sit at our kitchen table and they eat. 
and eat and eat a lot of our food. And then they left our church and left a voicemail on my phone. And I grumbled a little bit, and that wasn't right. So those of you that host and are bringing people into your homes, maybe you don't have a home, maybe you're going to go take someone out and have a drink with them and have a burger or something. Just pay for them. Show hospitality. It's so important that we show hospitality, that, that when someone's struggling, and, and the reality is when people walk away, you go, where, where have they been? Call them. Because they need community. They need your hospitality because they're tempted to go and run with the world. And I would encourage you not to, to allow them to do it, but to show hospitality without grumbling. We're going to end off. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. We all have gifts. We all have a purpose, praise the Lord, and we all have gifts. Every one of us has a gift that's been given to us. Not so we can make much of ourselves, but so we can make much of Jesus and serve his body and serve one another. So what gift have you been given? Use that gift for the glory of God. Use that gift. There are so many ways to serve in our city. There are so many ways to serve in this church. There are so many ways to serve in your city group. There are so many ways to serve all around you at work or at school. Use that as a steward of God's grace. And finally, verse 11, whoever speaks, speaks, uses, or, who, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Use your gift. Use your stuff. Use your home for others. And that brings glory to God. Amen. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for the great news of you coming to this earth, of you humbling yourself, living the life that we should have lived, dying the death that we deserved in our place, rising uh, to life, and now sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us on our behalf. Jesus, we thank you so much. Father, we thank you that you love us, that we can call you Abba, that we are perfect in your sight because of Jesus' record, not because of our own, not because of anything that we've done, but only because of what Jesus has done. So we just love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you indwell us, that you give us the power to say no to temptation, that you give us the power and the joy to live this life, that you give us the power to live for Jesus. Thank you, and we praise you, and pray this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Dev, if you want to go get get ready, and uh, we're just going to sing uh, a song.